You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Representative Judy Chu and Representative Mark Takano joined the Post to discuss the alarming rise in verbal and physical attacks against Asian Americans and calls for action. Let's listen. Good morning. I'm Jonathan Capehart, opinion writer for The Washington Post. Welcome to Washington Post Live and another installment of our series on race in America. Today, combating anti-Asian racism is our focus. Congresswoman Judy Chu is chair of the House Congressional Asian Pacific American Caucus. She is the first Chinese American woman to serve in Congress. And joining her is Congressman Mark Takano. He is the caucus's second vice chair and he is the first out gay person of color to be elected to Congress. They both represent districts in California, and they join me now. Uh, Congresspersons, thank you very much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having us. So, Congresswoman Chu, I'll start with you and dive right into what Washington could do. What legislation would you like Congress to pass to combat the rising tide of anti-Asian racism and discrimination? Well, we are pushing for two laws to be passed, the No Hate Act and the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act. The COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act would designate a person in the Department of Justice to track the progress of hate crimes as they go through the system and work to make sure that there are prosecutions. It would also issue guidelines to law enforcement agencies on being able to report on hate crimes as well as be sensitive to multilingual necessities in those communities that need it and need it to report hate crimes. The No Hate Act has actually been passed out of the House twice last fall in the Heroes Act and the updated Heroes Act. It would revamp our hate crimes laws, um, which are very deficient right now. Um, a 1990 federal law said that F the FBI was supposed to be reporting on hate crimes, but they can only rely on voluntary submission of hate crime data from local law enforcement. Most of them don't do it. In fact, 18 mm -hmm. states don't have any mandate to report hate crimes. Three states don't even have a hate crime statute. Um, this, this bill would change the reporting. It would also provide grants to local law enforcement to enact a hate crime program and have training. It would provide oversight by the US Attorney General who would look at the state of hate crime reporting and hate crime prosecutions in the United States on a yearly basis. Congresswoman, is there bipartisan support for both or either of these bills? There is for the No Hate Act, and in fact, we have taken great pains to make sure it is bipartisan. It is actually being reintroduced this week with two Democrats and two Republicans as a lead, and in fact, I'm one of those two Democrats. And when it was in, uh, in the, the law, passed out uh, this past fall, there were 103 co-sponsors and 15 of them were Republican. So we do have hopes that this will indeed be able to pass the Senate and then be signed into law. Congressman Takano, the focus on the, the local and state level, what would you like to see authorities at the local and state level do to protect AAPI communities 
and businesses. You know, we we had a story. Um, well, there was a story a, a while back talking about how um, AAPI businesses and business owners were hiring their own security, buying guns, cutting their hours of operation, and even even their advertising as a way of protecting themselves. Well, that certainly was occurring uh, at the beginning of the pandemic when uh, many people were associating the pandemic uh, with Asian Americans and Asian American businesses. Uh, Speaker Pelosi uh, famously uh, went specifically to Chinatown to try in her own district in San Francisco uh, to try to uh, push back uh, against those sentiments. What I would like to see is uh, more outreach to not only not only uh, enhanced reporting uh, and uh, encouraging of local law enforcement agencies to actually uh, do reporting, but uh, a standardization of that reporting. And the two bills that Congressman Congresswoman Chu just mentioned uh, would uh, would able that, was enable that to happen. Um, but there needs to be outreach specifically to AAPI communities because uh, they're diverse. They have different slightly different cultures, different languages. Um, but I think what is shared among AAPI ethnicities in general is um, a hesitancy or uh, a lack of knowledge and a lack of connection uh, to some of these law enforcement agencies, a lack of built-in trust and relationships with many of these uh, law enforcement agencies. Um, and that will take some outreach, some very specific outreach, and it'll take education uh, of these communities. It's going to take nonprofit organizations uh, and, and human service organizations within these communities to also be empowered uh, to teach the communities on how uh, to build those relationships with local law enforcement. Congresswoman Chu, what specific actions would you like to see from the Biden administration, from, from President Biden and the Justice Department? Well, there has been a sea change uh, with regard to how the administration has treated this from the times of Donald Trump. And let me just say for context that for a whole year, we have been speaking out about the anti-Asian hate crimes, which were stoked by the xenophobia of Donald Trump, who kept on using the terms China virus, Wuhan virus, and even Kung flu. Uh, despite the fact that the CDC and the World Health Organization said to not use such terms because of the stigma that it would cause from people from those geographic locations and also that ethnicity. Despite that, he actually doubled down and in fact encouraged his Republican followers to use that same rhetoric. Hence, it was even more inflamed. But I tell you, when President Biden took office, I was just so gratified because within the first week of it, of his taking office, he issued that executive memorandum, which condemned the anti-Asian hate crimes and also directed his Department of Justice to meet with the AAPI community. In fact, we jumped on it right away and we actually have already met with them. Uh, we've talked about the programs that they're thinking about. We also are putting in a request to meet with uh, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland. Um, but uh, President Biden went beyond that. He talked about this issue uh, and condemned anti-Asian hatred in his first primetime address. He also went to visit the AAPI community of Atlanta, Georgia, and he also had flags flown at half staff 
for the victims, which uh, was so touching to me to drive by those flags and see them at half mass. I, I just couldn't even imagine it before. And and yet, despite that, despite that, Congressman Takano, um, well, the White House agreed on, uh, late on Tuesday to add a senior level uh, Asian American Pacific Islander liaison after Senators Tammy Baldwin and I'm, some, I, I'm sorry, not Tammy Baldwin, Senator, Senator Tammy Duckworth and Senator, Senator Maisie Hirono threatened to only vote for non-white or LGBTQ nominees due to insufficient AAPI representation in the president's cabinet. What role should this liaison play? And are there any individuals you'd like to see considered? And then on top of that question, what do you make of this liaison role? Is that enough? Well, uh, I've long made my views known about my disappointment uh, that President Biden uh, did not appoint uh, an AAPI uh, person to one of the top uh, secretary, you know, the I think it's 15 or 16 cabinet positions uh, with the title of secretary. Um, the administration has talked about cabinet level uh, appointees, um, uh, but that's not really the same thing. I think in the eyes of many of us uh, who uh, are AAPIs on the Hill. Um, uh, that being said, you know those positions have been filled. Uh, that part of the cabinet has been set. Um, I will say that it made a big difference to have uh, Secretary of Transportation Manetta uh, in a Republican administration. Uh, his perspective, I think, really made a difference in terms of how uh, the second Bush administration dealt with uh, uh, rising uh, Islamophobia. Uh, and, I, and, and President Bush himself, former President uh, George W. Bush himself said, what a difference uh, that Normanetta made uh, uh, in making his views known, that's an example of what uh, inclusion of APIs at the very top level uh, means. Um, but that being said, sure. uh, I, yeah. I view this this position, uh, 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 this liaison position in the West Wing as significant. And uh, and I think Senator Hirono and Senator Duckworth were, uh, I think, reassured by the fact. Uh, that was going to happen. Uh, I think that uh, we need a point person who can bring the AAPI voice to the very top level on a day-to-day -day basis uh, to sensitize the administration to what is going on in the community. Uh, my colleague Judy Chu is much closer to this than I am, so I, I, I defer to her. She's been on this negotiations on a day-to-day -day right. basis. And in fact, I was going to go, go to Congresswoman Chu uh, with a follow-up on this. And to get to what Congressman Takano was talking about in terms of secretary versus cabinet level, and, to, uh, and as you well know, and I'm sure a lot of folks in the audience know, that um, um, USTR, the United States Trade Representative Tai, um, is um, AAPI. Um, the former nominee, Neera Tandon, the nominee for OMB, the Office of Management and, and Budget, is also AAPI. For those who are wondering why having someone from the community in those two positions that are cabinet level, why, why does that not count? 
um, from your perspective. And then on top, and, and then on top of that, who would you like to see to be considered for for those high level positions within the administration? So for the last twenty years, there has been an AAPI that has served as a cabinet secretary in both Democratic and Republican administrations. In this administration, every single constituency group is represented amongst the 15 cabinet secretaries, and that is Black, Hispanic, Native American, LGBT, women, but not AAPIs. And so uh, that leads us to believe that uh, we are in a second-class citizen position. Uh, we do have gratitude for the cabinet-level positions. Um, actually, now it's even only one right there, right. which is Catherine I. So, uh, you know, I, th I think the frustration that you see coming out of Senator Duckworth and Hirono is not only on this cabinet-level position, but the fact that now we're, we even only have one um, cabinet-level position now that Neera Tandon's nomination has been withdrawn. So we know that the cabinet secretary positions have been filled. We are pushing for uh, as many AAPIs to be in the high-level positions as possible. That being said, we are pushing for Nani Coloretti to be nominated as the director of the Office of Management and Budget. She's very, very well qualified uh, and uh, certainly would increase the representation of AAPIs in the entire cabinet, which consists of 24 people. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the, the shootings in Atlanta, the tragic shootings in Atlanta, uh, prosecuting hate crimes laws, <clears throat> excuse me, law enforcement. Um, I'm sorry, prosecuting hate crimes requires law enforcement to find proof that the incidents are racially motivated. Uh, Congresswoman True, and then Congressman Takano, do you believe there is proof to pursue hate crimes for the shootings in Atlanta? So let's look at what this shooter did. This 21-year-old white male picked a business for his first victim called Young's Asian Massage and shot four victims there, then drove 27 miles to a location with two Asian spa businesses side by side and shot into those businesses. He had lots of choices along the way if the issue was sex addiction, but no, he specifically chose three Asian businesses where clearly if he shot into them, he would kill Asian women. I would say that there has to be as many resources as possible to prove the hate crime. And actually, um, whether law enforcement uses those resources to the greatest degree possible to look for those clues that would support a hate crime statute and charge um, depends on the level of commitment of law enforcement to it. That's why we're actually pushing for the Department of Justice to also come in and use its resources to ensure that every stone is unturned. Uh, and by the way, a number of these witnesses probably speak other languages like Korean. Are they really 
interviewing all the Korean witnesses? Are they looking at the Korean newspapers, which actually had some statements um, that they said were made by other witnesses who heard him say something that was racial? Every stone needs to be unturned. Congressman Takano, I'd love your thoughts on this, but also as a result of the shootings in Atlanta, um, just sort of akin to what happened after the, the killing of George Floyd, there were nationwide protests um, where the, the mantra is stop Asian, stop Asian hate. Um, do you see this as an inflection point for the AAPI community? And if so, what do you want to see next? Uh, so Jonathan, I do see it as an inflection point. Um, I think there's been um, a, I don't know if it's called a simmering or a bubbling up of, uh, of, of frustration uh, across uh, the various AAPI ethnicities. Uh, we've been, I think, gritting our teeth all through this pandemic um, at the way in which uh, the, 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 uh, the President of the United States, Donald Trump, uh, and uh, the complicity of top Republican leaders uh, allowed uh, a Asian AAPIs in this country to be stigmatized. So I do see it as an inflection point. We, we, we felt all along that something terrible uh, could happen from this stigmatization. We have memories of Vincent Chin, a Chinese-American uh, in the, I think, 80, 70s or 80s uh, in Detroit, who, uh, who out of work auto workers who blamed uh, Japan for their unemployment, took out their anger on, on Vincent Chin. And then the Asian American community watched uh, as, uh, as the perpetrators, the, the murderers, uh, got away with very light sentences. Um, and so we know what a generalized um, mass blame stigmatization can, can mean for the AAPI community as a whole, uh, even though we may not be of a certain ethnicity. In this case, Vincent Chin was mistaken for um, a Japanese American, a Chinese American mistaken for a Japanese American, but it didn't matter. And we knew that uh, something like this could happen. And, um, you know, hate crime, uh, hate crimes are, uh, to, to prove a hate crime is a very high bar. Uh, and uh, Congressman Chu is right to point out, is, are, is law enforcement prepared uh, to deal with uh, the language diversity of the victims in this case? Are they gonna turn over every stone? And to, to Asian Americans, I think, and even reasonable observers of what happened down there, six Asian businesses uh, were the locus or loci of, this, of, this, of these crimes. Uh, four out of the, uh, or six out of the eight victims were uh, AAPI women. Um, if it doesn't even meet the technicalities of what it means to be a hate crime, it certainly was a crime of hate. Um, and uh, multiple Asian American mm -hmm. and women immigrants were the victims. And so it's a crime of, it's a crime of hate at the very least. Well, Congressman Takana, I'm gonna stick with you here because you were talking before about the, the history of, of uh, hatred and, and discrimination against a, the AAPI community. Your father still has scars on his legs from internment. And I understand you, your great uncle was among the many Japanese Americans who died fighting for this country in, war, in World War II. Um, what does your family's history tell us about how Asian Americans have been scapegoated throughout American history? Well, it, it's often not understood 
uh, that from the very beginning of the Republic, uh, there were proscriptions against AAPI immigrants from even being able to naturalize as citizens. You couldn't become a naturalized citizen if you were an immigrant from uh, Asia. Uh, and that certainly was true for my grandfather, my one immigrant grandfather who arrived on these shores around 1916. Uh, he couldn't buy property. Uh, there were alien land laws, uh, which specifically targeted uh, him. Uh, there were the Chinese Exclusion Act, uh, which just forbade any any immigration from China, and there was the Japanese Exclusion Act. So even predating World War II, uh, you know, back to the uh, early at uh, the late 19th century uh, and the early 20th century, uh, this was the, the situation. Uh, my grandfather bought land uh, in the name of my grandmother, who was American-born. Uh, and uh, they would lose that land uh, because they couldn't work that land during uh, the war while they were interned. Uh, and he took me there when I was a 10-year-old boy on my first plane trip to Bellevue, Washington, where he owned this property. And on that property then was a Holiday Inn. And so mm. uh, we, 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 <laughs> you can see the intergenerational interruption of, of the wealth building. My, my father, uh, well, there wasn't a really great OSHA uh, that existed back in the days when they built these camps. Uh, and my father was, I don't know, three or four years old with another young boy playing around these uh, incineration pits uh, that they used for, to burn the trash. You know, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people in these camps. Uh, and he and the other young boy fell in. I, I heard that the other boy perished. My father was able to climb out. Uh, and uh, I remember my schoolmates would notice when my father wore shorts that they would look at the uh, uh, the discolored uh, shins of my father. Uh, and I was a bit embarrassed as a young as a youngster to kind of explain to them well how he got those uh, those scars. And they, and they were quite extensive over his shins. Um, you you talked about the the Chinese Exclusion Act, and we have an uh, an audience question. Um, from Karen Tanabe, and she asks, how do we get schools to teach more about the history of anti-Asian violence like the Chinese Exclusion Act and Japanese internment camps? I'll give that to you real quickly, Congressman Takano. Well, very quickly, I'll, I'll say that, you know, uh, the, uh, the Civil Liberties Act of 1988, uh, which had the, the government formally apologize to those who were interned, during World War II uh, and uh, and compensated them, uh, those who were still living. Uh, people like my grandfather didn't receive that compensation, but also provided for an education fund. Well, we need to make sure that that education fund is, is robustly funded uh, and that schools are encouraged uh, to use the resources of that fund to, uh, to be able to uh, teach uh, the lessons uh, of this, uh, the ironies of people like my great uncle Mon who fought for our country, even as uh, his relatives were interned. Um, remarkable, remarkable resemblance to the many, many African-Americans who fought for this country in our great conflicts and came home to face uh, continued discrimination, even violent death uh, as they returned back from World War II. And I, as chairman of the Veterans Affairs Committee, I hope to highlight the contributions of those segregated fighting units uh, who made such a difference but yet who could not use the GI Bill and who could not use uh, the Veterans Home Loan uh, and build that same intergenerational wealth that I kind of 
alluded to uh, that was interrupted also uh, uh, in, my, in the case of my own grandfather. You know, uh, Congresswoman Chu, in the in the time that we have left, I want to draw attention to something that you called for, which is happening today. You called for March 26th to be a national day to speak out against anti-Asian hate. So as we close, what message do you want America or what message do you want to send to America today? I would like to ask everybody uh, to participate in this national day of action and healing to speak out against Asian hate. Everybody can do it from their home or they can join a rally. We ask that they do a tweet, a post, a virtual conversation, an in-person event, and then stream that on the hashtag Stop Asian Hate. And, uh, you can find out more information on how to participate uh, on www.asianamericandayofaction.com. What we wanted with this is to have an echo across all of the United States that people are standing up against this hate, that they want us to come together and join forces and be able to welcome everybody of every ethnic background to this country. So please be, be a participant in this speak out. Actually, already there have been uh, so many rallies, so many events um, just over the past few days. And there are quite a few for today from coast to coast in every state. Uh, and uh, we hope that this is indeed a wake up call to Asian Americans and actually to the nation, that this must stop, that we can all do our part. And we're also putting out the message that if you are AAPI and you are the victim of a hate crime or hate incident, please report it on the Stop AAPI website. Uh, it's important for you to make sure that it is uh, dealt with and there are resources there. But if you're a bystander, if you witness such a thing, there are things that you can do. In fact, there's bystander intervention training in which you can learn the five Ds, uh, which are such things as document, pull out the iPhone if you see an incident like this and record it because that is sometimes how the perpetrator can be caught. Uh, but there are all kinds of interventions that you can do to stop this kind of hateful action. But the most important thing is for people to come together, to understand where all of this is coming from, to uh, not believe these kinds of myths that are out there with regard to uh, Asians uh, somehow uh, bringing the coronavirus, uh, that people understand that everybody is a part of this country and in fact work together to build this country uh, and that we will not become a United States of America as we know it unless we do come together. And Congresswoman Takano, actually, I will, I will end with you just to add on to what Congresswoman Chu was just saying um, to the point of imploring people to report incidents. 
Um, understandably, there's a lot of fear when you're a, a victim of harassment, discrimination, violence, or crime to uh, take your concerns um, to law enforcement. What would you say to anyone who may have been a victim or if they become a victim and are fearful of coming forward to law enforcement to get it documented, what would you say to them to get them to put those fears and concerns into action? Well, I would say that uh, that many AAPIs are culturally disposed to, to keeping their heads down, but I would encourage all Asian American Pacific Islanders uh, to uh, to make that call to the police. Um, if you're concerned about reaching uh, the police, um, there are maybe many, many AAPI organizations that you can also work through. Um, your members of Congress are also resources. They have uh, 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 caseworkers uh, and they can often help make that connection uh, to the local police. So don't be afraid to or hesitate to call on uh, your member of Congress, uh, and we can also try to make that connection to local law enforcement. And with that, uh, we're going to have to end this discussion. Congresswoman Judy Chu, Congressman uh, Mark Decano, we're out of time, but this isn't the end of this important conversation. We will stay focused on this. Thank you both very much for coming to Washington Post Live. Great to be here, Jonathan. Thank you. And as always, thank you for tuning in. On Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, join my colleague Robin Gavon for the first conversation in a new series called Opportunity in Crisis. This conversation will be with Congresswoman Marilyn Strickland, former HUD Secretary Julian Castro, and the president of the Ford Foundation, Darren Walker. They'll discuss how the past year has exposed some of our country's deepest inequities, and how we can reimagine a more just society. Once again, I'm Jonathan Capehart, opinion writer for The Washington Post. Thank you very much for watching Washington Post Live. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.